Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, progress continues in the five years since floods devastated Duluth Superior, new State Fair foods this year, and former Gopher basketballer Richard Coffey. But first, the verdict and its aftermath. My son loved this city, and this city killed my son, and the murderer gets away. Damn! What is it going to take? I'm mad as hell right now. Yes, I am. My firstborn one son died here in Minnesota under the circumstances just because he was a police officer that makes it okay. Oh, now they got free reign. I am disappointed. My heart breaks for this family. My heart breaks for this nation. I'm a white woman. My grandson is adopted from an African country. He's a black eight-year-old right now. And and I don't know what to tell him about this verdict. It's setting the precedence that black people can be murdered legally in 2017, just like we could be murdered legally in 1955, just like we could be murdered legally in 1909, just like we could be murdered legally in 1891. That is still the same system. A week ago, the jury of seven men and five women found Officer Geronimo Yanez not guilty on all counts in the shooting death of Philando Castile. Defense attorney Earl Gray said the jury got it right and the case should never have been charged. Ramsey County attorney John Choi expressed disappointment in the verdict but had this message for the public. I understand that this verdict brings a lot of hurt and pain and deep-seated frustration for a lot of people in this community. And I suspect that they want to express their pain. And protests and demonstrations truly are the foundation of our democracy. And I'm sure that people may choose to express their voices. However, please, in the honor and memory of Philando Castile, please do so peacefully. Violence only begets more violence, and we do not want anyone getting hurt. Thousands of protesters gathered at the state capitol for a demonstration. Many carried pictures of a Minnesota license plate with the word shame on it. Others called for understanding. Tomorrow, we learn how to love one another even deeper than what we love each other already so that we begin to work together and demand justice. 18 were arrested after shutting down part of I-94 in St. Paul. After the verdict was handed down, Yanez was relieved of his duties with the St. Anthony Police Department and the U.S. Attorney's Office in Minnesota said it would consider whether an additional federal review is justified. This week, the Castile family announced they were filing a civil suit against Yanez. On Tuesday, the BCA released its evidence from the case, including shocking dash cam video of the shooting from Yanez's squad car. He had his grip a lot wider than a wallet. Okay. And I don't know where the gun was. He didn't tell me where the gun was. Okay. And then it was just getting hanky. He gave, he was just staring straight ahead, and then I was getting nervous. 
Minneapolis NAACP President Jason Soule says the dash cam video validated everything they've been saying. Philando shouldn't have died, man. We need justice for him. We need justice for Philando, for real. That, that, that cannot be legal. It just can't be legal. And Soule says about manslaughter charges against Yanez. This was the one people thought would wake everybody up. This was the one. People had their faith in It's like, yeah, we got to get justice for this one. Come on, you saw the footage. Like you say, you shaking? A lot of us have to deal with this all of the time. And DFL Senator Jeff Hayden from Minneapolis was critical of the jury's not guilty verdict after watching the dash cam video. I can't see myself as a juror how I would ever not think that there needed to be justice and some punishment to the officer for shooting that young man. Yana's defense attorney Earl Gray says people have a right to their opinion, but adds... The bottom line is he went to a trial by a jury in our, under our criminal justice system, and the jury decided that he was not guilty unanimously. So it should be ended there instead of people, uh, vigilante-type people, wanting to do things that are not within our system. Gray blames media coverage for misperceptions of Officer Yanez's guilt and says... But it would seem to me that anybody that sat through the trial would understand why the jury found Officer Yanez not guilty unanimously. People outside of the courtroom who have opinions and are up in arms, they have a right to their opinion. But thank God we have a criminal justice system that allows jury trials so that the opinion of the public does not rule. Asked to recall his own reaction to the dash cam video the first time he saw it, Gray says... Uh, that's a long time ago. I can't remember really. Well, I, I guess I'm trying to remember. Uh, I really can't remember what my reaction was the first time I saw it. I've seen it many times. Former U.S. Attorney Tom Heffelfinger followed the case closely. From your perspective, what can we learn from, from this trial and from the outcome? Wow. <laughs> I am... Uh, I, I'm really worried. I'll be blunt. I'm worried that with as many people as there are in the state of Minnesota carrying concealed weapons, that we're going to see more of these kind of things. I mean, as you recall in the... Uh, Castile case, it, it sort of came to where were the office, where, where were Mr. Castile's hands and what was said. And I just feel that with that many people carrying guns and officers stopping people for traffic violations, I worry that we'll see more of these, not fewer. And of course, there is a racial component here, and I'm just wondering if you could share your thoughts on, on that. Obviously, uh, Valerie Castile, Philando Castile, mother, and protesters over the course of the weekend, this is something that is deeply impacted and seems to be a, a sort of a, a harbinger of, of more racial divide in the state. Well, we've been seeing that for several years now. I don't I, this is a, a, a real tragedy this case, and it is a tragedy for uh, the African-American community uh, and for law enforcement and for all of us who want uh, safe streets for everybody. Uh, I, I, I think uh, Mr. Choi said it right when he said that we have to use this, we have to accept that this jury did what the jury was asked to do. And we have to move on, and moving on means we have to get into a dialogue between communities to prevent these things from happening again. 
And Tom, I'm wondering, uh, in your opinion, did the system succeed or fail in this case once the verdict came out? Once the verdict came out, I think the, the system succeeded. It allowed individuals who were frustrated and angry to express their opinions. I think the public uh, who protested on uh, Friday night uh, had the right to express their anger, and I think they did it in a in a peaceful way. And I admire law, law enforcement for showing restraint in response to that. Um, but I do believe that we have to have face-to-face dialogue between law enforcement and African-American communities in particular uh, in order to avoid these things in the future. I'm talking now about avoiding shootings. It just has to stop. In terms of the, the legal process in the system, was that a success or a failure in this case, in your opinion? Uh, I think it was a success. The, uh, the jury did what we asked the jury to do which was to take a very difficult case and make a decision. There are many, many people who may not have agreed with that decision, but you have to agree that the process worked as the founding fathers of the country expected it to. It's a fact the trial is over, but the impact of the actions of Officer Yanez and Philando Castile on that July day will continue to be debated with sadness, anger, and confusion in the weeks and months ahead as questions about race relations, police accountability, and gun violence reverberate in Minnesota and throughout the nation with few clear or simple answers. I have to tell you, I do have a firearm on me. Don't reach for it, then. Don't pull it out. Don't pull it out. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. It's been five years since rainfall up to 10 inches triggered massive flooding in the Duluth Superior area and turned rivers on the North Shore into raging torrents. Streets collapsed in areas of Duluth and cars fell into sinkholes. An eight-year-old boy was swept into a culvert in Proctor and emerged six or seven blocks away with only a few scrapes. Hundreds were evacuated from their homes and hardest hit 
were the far west neighborhoods of Duluth, including Fond du Lac plus Thompson Township, just west of Duluth. Eleven animals drowned at the Lake Superior Zoo when Kingsbury Creek jumped its banks. Multiple sections of Highway 210 through Jay Cook State Park were washed out. Restoration efforts are still underway. MN's Bill Werner talked with MnDOT District Engineer Dwayne Hill about the progress. Looking back at five years ago, those tremendous floods that inundated large sections of uh, of Duluth, mo- mostly the, the eastern end, right, at Fond du Lac and over into uh, Jay Cook State Park and Thompson. Um, and I know Highway 210, which is one of the most popular routes up there, uh, I've driven it myself many, many times, beautiful, beautiful road. Rushing Rapids Parkway, it turned into kind of torrential rapids, didn't it? It did, and uh, I think that uh, that area of our region received the the brunt of the damage uh, on on the trunk highway system from that event. Was the 210 corridor especially was really really impacted by that flood. There was a lot of uh, washout of not only roadbed, but there was was it a bridge that was lost as well as a result of it? Uh, refresh my memory on that, if you would. So. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, the um, the bridge over the St. Louis River had a small um, spillway off the end of the bridge, and uh, there was so much water coming over the dam at Thompson that spillway couldn't handle all of the flow, and it washed out the basically the road approach um, on one end of the Thompson Bridge. And uh, in order to reconstruct that, we built an additional span on that bridge. Yeah, but then even beyond that, you had a lot of problems, right, with washouts and so on on uh, <clears throat> Highway 210 and Jay Cook. Yep. And through Jay Cook State Park, we had uh, well at least three culverts that failed, and we lost the whole road. And then we had numerous places where the um, slopes failed, and basically covered the road grade with trees and mud, or um, the slope below the road failed and took away part of the pavement with it. Yeah, yeah, and I know that you, you folks, as quickly as possible, got uh, got, got the restoration done. I, what was it, to Oldenburg Point? Uh, and then, uh, but then beyond there, there was there's still some additional repair work that's underway. Am I correct on that, or please yeah, well, fill us in? So in 2012, our first uh, efforts were to gain access back to the Minnesota Power Facilities that are within the park. So we had, we had to make the road safe for the Minnesota Power employees to get to the hydro plant at Thompson and the dam at Fond du Lac. Yeah. And then <clears throat> the other immediate thing we did was um, repair Highway 210 to get to the um, headquarters of Jay Cook State Park. And then in 2013, we were able to reconstruct the road from the headquarters of Jay Cook State Park to Oldenburg Point, and, which involved building a new um, about 250-foot-long bridge over uh, the part of the road that washed out when um, the Minnesota Power Reservoir dike failed. Since then, we've been working on um, restoring uh, the road between Oldenburg Point and Highway 23, and there was about 80 or so areas where the soil failed, and we've been working on our uh, what we call a design-build contract um, to restore those slopes. And uh, um, we expect that we're going to reopen that road this fall. In fact, we're starting to plan a, a ribbon-cutting ceremony jointly with DNR to reopen the road. 
You're getting pretty close. I, I know I haven't I haven't driven all the way through that road, obviously, since a little bit before the flood, although I, th- I think I've come in from the end and maybe into Oldenburg Point once, but uh, that, that's, that'll, that's going to be nice to have that back again. That's such a beautiful drive. It, it's going to be nice. It's I drove through there uh, just last week, and there's gates on either end of our project right now, so it's not open to the public. But... Um, it's a change from what you saw before because when the slopes failed, they took all the vegetation with it. And so we're repairing these slopes, and uh, they aren't the wooded uh, hillsides that we're used to. So we're gonna, when, the, when we do open it up for the public, they're going to see a little bit of a change in the scenery when they drive through. But overall, um, I guess given the damage that was uh, that was caused there by that flooding, it sounds like you've made pretty good progress. We have. It's been probably slower than we initially anticipated, but uh, it's just really complex work that we had to undertake to restore that um, entire roadway. And so, hopefully, when we when we're done, it's going to be better able to withstand events like that 2012 event. And um, hopefully we'll have less maintenance headaches trying to maintain that road in the future, too. Yeah, very good. That's a tough area, and it has to be a tough area given the geology of it to even keep roads on the sides of hills like that under any circumstances, I would think. It is. It's very tough. (laughs) Minnesota Matters will return after this. Sometimes, a simple idea can be developed into something big that can change the world. This is Katy Perry. In fourth grade, my music teacher helped me make a vision board. It was a collage that represented all of my hopes and aspirations in music. But what if my teacher didn't have the supplies we needed to make our collages? What if I never got the chance to learn and express my dreams? Unfortunately, that's the reality our teachers face every day. They're forced to spend their own money, sometimes just to keep the classroom running. That's why I'm teaming up again with Staples for Students to donate $1 million to DonorsChoose.org, the charity that helps teachers get what they need to bring learning to life for students. DonorsChoose.org has helped fulfill more than 700,000 classroom projects, benefiting more than 18 million students. It's an idea that's changing the world. It's easy to help. Donate in Staples stores or learn more at staplesforstudents.org. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve! Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The countdown to the great Minnesota get-together is already underway. This week, fair officials announced the new foods for 2017. MN's Tasha Radel has a preview. 
That's right, Scott. The Minnesota State Fair is introducing nearly three dozen new foods to the expansive menu offered at the Great Minnesota Get-Together. This year's list of new menu items includes small plates, sandwiches, savory entrees, sweet treats, breakfast and gluten-free options, and several blends of flavor and spice. Here's a few of the new items I'm excited to try out. The Bacon Fluffernutter, Bacon Up Pup, Cheesy Nacho Corn on the Cob, Deep Fried Avocado, Duck Bacon Wontons, Mobster's Caviar, Swindler Sandwich, Swine and Spuds, to name a few. Joining me now is Minnesota State Fair spokeswoman Jody Jetson. Welcome, Jody. Tell us a little bit about what folks can expect at the Great Minnesota Get Together this year. Yeah, we are so excited with this list this year. There's 31 new foods and four new food vendors. And let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the, the new foods. My coworker and I were looking through the list, and it looks like uh, bacon is kind of a, a popular item this year. Yeah, you know, there's, it's always interesting to see the trends that come through. Um, we've got a lot of savory. If you look closely, there's a lot of pork belly. Um, there's also some kind of beer braising or some local brewery action. With There's a, a taco from San Felipe Tacos that uses modest deviation um, to, to marinate the steak that goes into the non-taco. So there's a lot of fun stuff this year. Um, you know, a lot of people think of deep fried with State Fair, and what we've been seeing over the last kind of 10 to 15 years is a real reflection of the food trends all over, and especially in the Minnesota and the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. You know, and I have to ask, you were talking a little bit about these trends and what comes into a fair. How does this all work? Do you have a panel, or how do you decide? Well, there's, there's a couple of things that go into it. So all of these vendors are, are their own people. Um, so they come up, they're, <laughs> these guys are so creative, they come up with what they want to serve, and then they will submit it to our new foods committee. So it does go through a committee before it gets on our list, but these are the concessionaires representing their own, their own foods. So you kind of give them the feedback, and then they go from there, so to speak. Yep, yep, and we do, we do approve um, what you can't just serve anything you want. You do need to go through the process to have it on your menu because um, we strive to have a balance here and make sure that our fair visitors have, um, have some of their old favorites, have some new and unique foods, um, and just kind of have a balance all over the ground. And I have to ask you, have you tried any of these new foods, and what was your favorite? <laughs> well, luckily, uh, I have gotten the opportunity to try a few of them, but it is extremely hard to choose. When you've got, you've got savory flavors, like some of these sandwiches, um, and then you've got these sweet treats, like the mini sconuts, it's extremely hard to choose. That's why you go to the fair and you just eat all day long or go every day to the fair and eat all day long. So, well, lots of interesting things and the photos look great. Uh, Jody, was there anything else you wanted to add today? You know, I think the biggest thing is that we are just so excited to have so many offerings here. We want people to come to our website at mnstatefair.org, check out the new foods gallery. And in August, you can also use our online fair finder to find some of your favorite foods as well. Thanks again to my guest, Minnesota State Fair spokeswoman Jody Jetson. For more information on the Great Minnesota Get-Together, you can go to mnstatefair.org. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will be back in a minute.
So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouth full, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What tape? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Golden Gopher Goal Line Club hosted its annual summer golf tournament this past week at Medina in the Twin Cities. The Goal Line Club is the chief outside booster group for Gopher football. They raise money for non-traditional support of the program. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm took part in the golf outing and had a chance to sit down with one of the celebrity golfers. Ironically, the guest wasn't a former Gopher football player. Richard Coffey played for the Golden Gopher men's basketball team from 1986 through 1990. He was one of the top rebounders in school history and is still one of the most popular gophers because of the work ethic and hustle he showcased during his playing days. He spends a lot of time around the program now as his son Amir Coffey just completed his freshman season with Minnesota. He made the all Big Ten freshman team. And Richard Coffey's daughter Nia just graduated from Northwestern after a standout playing career there. She's now with the San Antonio Stars of the WNBA. Here's Mike Grimm's conversation with Richard Coffey. Well, we're at the uh, Gopher football outing, but uh, that doesn't mean it's exclusive to football players. We have a former Gopher basketball player, Richard Coffey, with us. Uh, first of all, I know you support all Gopher sports, so I'm sure it's good to get out and swing the sticks here. I do support, and I always wanted to be a football player. So. <laughs> well, you've got the size, right? A tight end is what I would think. For sure. I played a little football in high school, so I just never had the courage to go out for college football. <laughs> Take me through what this last winter was like for you, watching your son don that same maroon and gold that you uh, did, make the all-freshman team in the Big Ten, have a really good year, led the team in minutes played, and was a, was a key contributor. It was a lot of fun. Uh, very proud of him. He's worked really hard. I was super excited when he decided to stay home, um, try to make it his decision, but I was, had my fingers crossed, so that all worked out. And, you know, I'm 10 minutes from the University of Minnesota, so it's a blessing to be able to get in the car and drive 10 minutes and see my son play every home game. How nerve-wracking is it to watch? I watch you watch him, and you <laughs> seem calm, but I know inside it can't be as calm as it looks uh, from the outside. <laughs> <laughs> it's nerve-wracking, believe me. I, I try to stay emotionless because on the inside I am bubbling over with emotion. So, But he, he knows how to play the game, and um, I think he tries to play the right way. He's not a selfish player, so I really like that about him. So it's been it's been fun. I mean, he, he works really hard, and um, it's just been fun to watch the entire team. There are so many good players on this team, and next year should be really super exciting. Yeah, you think about some of the success they had. I mean, obviously Amir was a key part of that turnaround with a new addition. Summertime is a big time for basketball players. It's where they can get better and see improvement. What, what do you think Amir uh, is working on here? What would you like to see him get better in facets of his game for this coming fall and winter? I want him to get a, a more consistent with his jump shot. Uh, hopefully he can put on another 10 pounds. Uh, hopefully he can come in around 205, 210. The beginning of the season would be great. And just continue to work on his ball handling and get better at every aspect of the game. 
I want to ask you about your daughter, Nia, too. I know you're very proud of her. She was a four-year star for Northwestern, has graduated, has moved on to pro basketball. Give us an update with Nia. She's doing extremely well. Very exciting, and it's such a blessing for her to be drafted fifth in the WNBA draft, You know, something that she worked really hard for. Um, and she's just enjoying her experience and uh, playing in the WNBA. She hopes to play for a long time. I want to ask you about some of your favorite memories when you look back on some of those teams. Uh, uh, what, what, what stands out to you? Is there one or two memories as a, as a former Gopher player? Man, I have a lot of memories, but I, we had an amazing coaching staff with, with Coach Haskins, and we had an amazing group of guys. We were so close-knit. Everybody was in it for the team. Think about that 1990 team, the 1989 team, you know, Sweet 16, Elite Eight. Yep. Can this team that Amir's on with the tools that they've got, uh, can, they, can they accomplish that and beyond maybe? I mean, we're putting the cart ahead of the horse a little bit, but there's some potential there with this uh, upcoming group. They have a lot of talent at, at a lot of different positions, so it's going to be exciting. You know, how far you go in a tournament it depends on a lot of things. You know, the luck of the draw, who you're playing, uh, who gets upset. But in my, in my the 89 and 90 team, we had some really good players, and we got, we got a good draw, and we was able to win some games, some games that we had to overcome, like Syracuse, teams like that we end up beating. And you got to have a little luck. But I think this team has an opportunity to go deep in the tournament. I really do. Will that be kind of the benchmark as to have they taken that next step forward as maybe some NCAA success? It has to be, right? I mean, you, you made the tournament this past year. From a player perspective, you want to go as deep in the tournament as you possibly can. I'm sure the coaches want the same thing. So, yeah, for the players' expect, uh, expectation is they want to they advance in the tournament. And then when Amir talks about next year, he talks about the NCAA tournament. All right. Um, are you a good golfer? Are you going to swing them well here today at this outing? I'm a pretty good golfer, so I'm looking forward to the day. Very good. Thanks, Richard. Thank you. That's former Gopher basketball player Richard Coffey with MN's Mike Grimm. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.